This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello out there in American Family Radio land. The show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. And uh, we are carried on American Family Radio exclusively every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, People often ask me to identify the instructions that God gives in Scripture, in His Word, pertaining to the raising of children. And it's an interesting question because there are many Scripture that pertain to the raising of children that do not contain the words children, parents, family. One of those, for example, is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, which says there's a time for everything and a season to every purpose under heaven. Indeed, that applies to the raising of children and applies very pertinently, in fact, to the raising of children because there are and I often talk about them, seasons to the raising of children. And in fact, people once upon a time, and not a very long ago time, in fact, uh, intuitively understood that parenting was an enterprise that was marked by seasons, and that each season required a new role on the part of the parent, and new responsibilities on the part of the parent, and a new focus, a new purpose on the part of the parent. And uh, I've talked about the seasons of parenting on this radio program before, and I will do it again. But that is not my purpose today. My purpose today is to talk about Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which in fact is where God's instructions concerning The family and raising children, therefore, begin. In the New King James Version, it reads, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. In Genesis, we're told that immediately after God creates a female from one of Adam's ribs, he joins them together as man and wife. His first act after he creates the physical universe, is to create a relationship. Not just any relationship, but the most important and foundational of human-to-human relationships, that being marriage. Every biblical translation identifies the woman as the man's wife, with whom he is, depending on translation, joined or united or cleaved Obviously, this relationship has very special, unique status. When I read Genesis 2.24, the phrase, his wife, almost seems to say that for every male God creates, he creates a corresponding female, that their marriage, in other words, is created in heaven long before these two human beings find and join to one another on earth. If that's the case, and I'm not a theologian and I'm only speculating here, that would mean that these two people 
male and female, are destined to be together as one flesh, and that if their seeking hearts are patiently open to God's will, they will find one another. That, I believe, explains reports of two people falling in love at first sight. I have personal experience with this, in fact. As soon as we saw one another from a distance, both my future wife, Willie, and I experienced feelings we had never experienced before. I felt compelled to find out who she was and meet her, and she felt the same. And when we met the next day and stood face-to-face looking into one another's eyes and began our first tentative conversation, we both knew instantly that we had found the person we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with. We both fell in love at first sight. Forty-eight years later, I absolutely know that this was God's will for the two of us, that he ordained our relationship before Willie and I were born, and certainly before we went to the altar together and said our I do's. In the King James Bible, God says that these two people who are man and wife before they joined on earth shall become one flesh. Some less authoritative, that's my estimation, translations omit the word shall. The New International Version, for example, simply says, and they become one flesh. Well, the word shall identifies Genesis 2.24 as a decree, not a mere suggestion or a statement. In, In effect, it's God's first commandment to his newly created children. By creating the institution of marriage between male and female, God creates the foundation of the family, the functional and foundational social unit. He commands husband and wife to enter into a union so complete that it is described as one flesh. They're in a state of unity that encompasses every aspect of their lives together. Their relationship is exclusive, characterized by mutual faithfulness. They see as one, make decisions as one, act as one. They are of one purpose in all things. This state of unity includes the rearing of their children. As male and female, they each bring unique assets to the childrearing process, The female, for example, brings acute sensitivity to the emotional needs of her children, while the male brings a more practical, long-term perspective. When it comes to his kids, the father is more, as we say, down-to-earth. That's an advantage in certain childering situations, but his wife's emotional sensitivity is an advantage in others. Acting in concert They form the two sides of the parenting coin. Their parenting strength lies in their each being able to see these two sides, their differences, in other words, is complementary rather than in conflict. As one flesh, their childrearing is more powerful and purposeful than the sum of their individual strengths. Scripture tells us that male and female can only enter into this one flesh state 
as husband and wife. These are the roles ordained by God. The roles of mother and father are a function of biology. As such, they are secondary roles. Now listen up, folks. In the raising of children, it is in accord with God's ordinance in Genesis 2.24 that the male and female in question remain in and function from within the roles of husband and wife even after they have children. That is the only way they can be in a state of accord concerning their kids. When they allow biology to hold sway in their parenting, when in other words they parent from the roles of father and mother instead of husband and wife, they are going to fall out of a state of parenting unity, and invariably so. As father and mother, they are in two separate fleshes. The fleshes defined by their biological differences And consequently, as father and mother, they're going to see their children with two different sets of eyes, one male, the other female. They will think, therefore, with two very different minds, one male and the other female, and they will act with two differing purposes, one male and the other female, making matters worse If they raise their children within the roles primarily of father and mother as opposed to raising their children from the roles of husband and wife, they will each become convinced that their individual perspective is the correct perspective and that their individual decisions are the best decisions. Now, according to the King James Bible and and several other versions, God is not the decider where the marital state of one flesh is concerned. He commands it, just like he commands that we put no other God before him. He makes it possible for husband and wife to join together as one flesh, but they must each make independent decisions to be and to remain in that state, to obey God's decree or not. In other words, whether or not they come together as one flesh and remain in that state under any and all circumstances is a matter of free will on their parts. Now, here is another incontrovertible fact. If you do not live your life According to God's design, plan, and purpose by obeying his decrees and commandments, you are going to create problems for yourself. In this regard, when parents tell me they're not on the same page concerning their children, I absolutely know that they are not parenting primarily from the roles of husband and wife, rather, they have given in to the pull of their respective physical natures, their genders, and are parenting primarily, if not exclusively, from the roles of father and mother. And the more I talk to two married people who make this complaint, the more convinced 
I become that my theory is correct. And not sometimes, but always, always. We're up against a hard break, folks, and so I will continue this theme in just a few minutes. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. Once again, it's carried every Saturday afternoon slash evening on American Family Radio exclusively, 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. I am a family psychologist who does not believe in psychology. I am not a Christian psychologist. I am a Christian who happens to hold a license to practice psychology issued by the North Carolina Psychology Board, who absolutely regrets the day they ever gave me a license because I go around the country and I tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and it's not as I see it. This is the truth that psychology has caused more problems for the American family, the American child, the American marriage, the American school, and America, by extension, then psychologists even know how to solve. Psychology has been a wrecking ball in America, and especially where the American family is concerned, and especially where the American child is concerned. My ministry as I travel the country in my role as a public speaker, speaking primarily in churches and Christian schools, all over the lower 48. I've never been up in uh, Alaska. I have been to Hawaii a number of times, but uh, not Alaska. Uh, So I guess it's the lower 49, is to repair or do what I can to repair some of this damage. In my estimation, the only person who can repair it is a person who understands psychology intimately from the inside. Anyway, I've been talking about the relevance of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, to the raising of children. And once again, in the New King James Version, Genesis 2, 24 reads, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Note that the use of the word shall twice indicates that this is a commandment. As I said in the first half of the show, not a mere suggestion, but a commandment that a man shall leave his father and mother. In other words, folks, the emancipation of the child is decreed by God and be joined to his wife who will also leave her parents and they shall become one flesh. So that's what I'm talking about during this program. And to just summarize, the problem in American parenting, and it's been a problem since American parents began listening to psychologists tell them how to raise children in the mid-1960s, is that whereas my parents in the pre-psychological parenting age 
remained primarily in the roles of husband and wife in the raising of John Rosemond, today's parents abandon, once they have children, the roles of husband and wife and parent almost exclusively from the biological roles of father and mother. What I'm saying is that this shift has had monumental consequences one of which being that whereas prior to the 1960s, your mother and your father, as husband and wife, were on the same page when it came to rearing their children. You, for example. Me, for a more specific example. Today's husband and wife are not on the same page because they are attempting to raise their children from roles that are not in accord with God's instructions, specifically not in accord with Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which ordains these two people as husband and wife and commands them to be of one flesh. One of the things that I point out is that today's parents, they act as if they went to the altar on the day of their marriage and said, I take you to be my husband and I take you to be my wife until children do us part. Because once children come into this union, it is all too typical. I would say that this happens 99% of the time. The roles of husband and wife begin to recede into the background and eventually become an entity akin to the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland Now you see the marriage, now you don't. And mostly, you don't. Now, let me point out that there are times when wearing the role of mother is required of the wife, and wearing the role of father is required of the husband. Times, in other words, when the needs of a child require that parental attention and energy be directed toward the child. But when the parent is raising when the parent is wearing, excuse me, one of those roles, it is important for him or her to keep in mind that the role of father or mother is secondary to the role of spouse. That prevents becoming stuck in a role that holds the potential of becoming a marital stumbling block. I'm a member of the last generation of American children to be reliably raised by parents who were husband and wife first, mother and father second, and a distant second at that. Therefore, I am a member of the last generation of American children who were able to see firsthand what a marriage really looks like. That's why most of us baby boomers wanted to get married and did so when we were relatively young. My wife and I, for example, were 20 and 19. She had just turned 19. We had a child nine months later. She was still 19, and we are still married 48 years later. And one of the reasons we are still married is because our parents parented, as we say it today, primarily from the roles of husband and wife, and therefore we understood while we were growing up that the relationship between the two of them trumped, and significantly so, either of their relationships with us. And folks, Here is a fact. This is not a theory. This is a fact. 
There is nothing that puts a more solid foundation of security and well-being under a child's feet than the knowledge that his parents are in a permanent relationship. And I guarantee you that you communicate that knowledge, that understanding to the child, only if you function primarily in your families in the roles of husband and wife. Furthermore, I'm a member of the last generation of American children to be reliably raised within families in which the husband was the recognized and respected head of the family. For this reason, our mothers often told us that we would have to wait for our fathers to come home before certain decisions would be made. And our mothers occasionally told us that they were going to inform our fathers of our misbehavior and that they, our dads, would carry out whatever discipline they felt was deserved. In effect, most of us boomers were raised by one flesh, not two fleshes who were in a constant tug of parenting war with one another. And by the way, I've found that in this tug of war, the husband is the one more likely to eventually throw his hands in the air and capitulate to his very emotional wife, who is really no longer his wife. She is their children's mother. In fact, in her eyes, she is her children's mother. They are hers before they are his, and her primary obligation is to them, not him. Because her emotions are not tempered by being in a state of one flesh with her husband, her emotions begin to rule her parenting life. Her husband, who is, by the way, emotionally challenged by comparison, overwhelmed by the unbridled force of his wife's emotions, gives up and perhaps even checks out. He checks out into an affair. He checks out into uh, you know, golfing every weekend with his buddies. He checks out into pornography. He checks out into video games. This is the new form of checking out for millennial husbands. Regardless of how he checks out, it's a sad state of affairs indeed, and one that no amount of psychological counseling is going to correct. Psychologists are trained to think that these two warring parties need to develop a better appreciation for each other's points of view and learn to better listen and compromise. Psychologists don't get it. And you, you can take that to the bank, folks. Remember, I am a psychologist. I was trained as a psychologist. I believed in psychology for many years. Psychologists do not understand that the problem is not going to be solved by better listening and mutual willingness to compromise. It is only going to be solved if and when the two people involved restore the roles of husband and wife and and this is key, the wife furthermore agrees to her husband functioning in his rightful biblical place as head of the household, the primary decider, the last word. God does nothing arbitrarily. He created Adam first, he created the woman second, and she was created from a part of Adam's body to be his helper or help meet. Those are the biblical words. Those are God's words. 
God gave Adam his name. Adam named his wife Eve. Whereas the husband-wife relationship is one of equals, the husband is to bear the responsibility of being head of the family, its executive. Folks, that brings us to the close of another show. Again, I've enjoyed it. I've been blessed by it and hope you have been blessed by it as well. Once again, the show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. If you want to find out more about me, go to johnrosemond.com. And uh, my upcoming speaking schedule is listed there, books, uh, CDs, etc., etc., that you can avail yourselves of if you so choose. And I am here on American Family Radio exclusively every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central. Thanks for joining us and hope you will continue to do so. God bless all of you and your families.